live from being mathematically still in it, huh? Huh? It's the Vocal Minority Podcast. Kids, it's time for this week's episode of the Vocal Minority Podcast. Recording as we are on Thanksgiving Monday, you'd think we'd be a bit cheerier, but the annual meltdown by our Reds has us less than thankful. So hold on to your leftovers and get ready as we rant our way to the end of the season. But first, to the panel. He's thankful for meme generators and the company that makes his faux kits. He's the graphics guy from the Yorkies. It's Mark Hinckley. I would like to give thanks to Adobe. Just Adobe? They make Photoshop and Illustrator. What oh, more do I need? Point. All right. I thought you meant the sauce that comes with ancho chili. That's adobo. I thought you meant the houses in New Mexico. Those are lovely. <laughs> no, that's second. The houses would be second. He's thankful to have more room in our section to stretch out for naps on game days. He is the managing editor of the Yorkies. It's Tony Walsh. Stuffing. He's thankful he will no longer have to write eloquent prose about the weekly goings-on in MLS. Guest panelist from Waking the Red and Canadian Soccer News, it's James Grossi. Three more weeks. Oh. <laughs> As for me, I'm thankful that there are only two games left in this soul-destroying season. That's it. I've got nothing else. But I am, as always, a writer of words for Waking the Red and your host, Kristen Knowles. Uh, yeah, that was a dispiriting, disappointing, dreadful week for TFC. Uh, instead of seeing them rise up and try to become more than what they currently are and show some of their vaunted character and willingness to compete, they instead pretty much just laid down and, uh, you know, let two teams that were beatable run over them and look really, really horrible doing it. Like, that was just, well, it was awful. I, don't even, I can't even come up with good words for it. In the spirit of the inability to come up with good words, we're forgoing uh, most of our usual segments, and instead we'll focus on the uh, nightmare that we as TFC fans continue to experience. It's like, what, our 12th, 13th postmortem we've done? Yeah. 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 In this season. In this season. In this year. So, Houston. Defoe missing the penalty and the horrible ref, unfortunately, for several days became the story when it should have been lack of finish, poor defending, and lack of cohesion on the pitch. No one has anything to say. <laughs> You're all staring at me blankly. Is that it? Is that that's all we have to say about uh, next game. Next um, game. Well, we can we can move right into that. It's pretty easy. 20 minutes of somewhat decent play, completely thrown away. Well, what do you guys want to talk about? Should we bitch about the ref or should we talk We shouldn't about bitch about the ref. I'm tired of like blaming the ref because it always seems to be it's it's an e- I mean it's an obvious out every game. Don't get me wrong because the refereeing Sucks. standard is pretty piss poor. It's going to get better, but why does it always seem like it's the games that involve Toronto where it's the most glaring of errors? I'm sure every game has them. Agreed. I don't watch a lot of MLS outside of Toronto FC, probably because I like my sanity. But it it's like we can. Hanging it on the ref saying, oh, well, the ref screwed us here, the ref screwed us there. It's like, 
there was still 88 minutes of terrible where Toronto, without the ref's help, did themselves in just fine. I, and, and I'm not to saying that we shouldn't blame the ref because he's yeah. obviously a villain in the piece, but it's like there's so much other problems going on. Yeah, I, I would tend to agree with you that it is sort of, um, it's easy to dust over whatever faults there were in the game by blaming the ref, but in a, in a game like soccer where so much of the result can hinge on, on one aspect, like let's take the penalty kick. Mm-hmm. How four minutes goes in between a Houston player doesn't Six. get booked for time oh, wasting. Terrible. I've never seen a substitution of an outfield player take place before the spot kick happens. Uh, apparently, it's not against the rules as keepers can be substituted, but just procedurally, that that was just straight up bizarre. And the fact that Houston got away with playing that, uh, you know, old switcheroo. Oh, the wrong guy was walking off. Oh, we're sorry. We didn't know. Bullshit. You didn't know. It was masterful for yeah, that. Oh, it was. It was very well done on uh, the part of Kinnear and Houston, but. Your ref, you have to be in control of that. You've got to lock that shit down. And he did. And, and absolutely, like, fair play to completely changing a game, slowing it down, shifting people's focus. But... But I think that's... We get to the crux of the equation of that game. And our management over a manager of Kinnear's craftiness from being in the league so long. Every match in this league is going to... You're going to have one team feel aggrieved by the referee. Almost every single match on the schedule in this league. Because, you know, the referees are subpar of what we're used to watching from bigger leagues in Europe, etc. So, that has to be put aside. Yes, sometimes the agreeing with James, the the uh, five minutes I went through when the Jermaine Defoe was standing there being iced for the penalty was ridiculous. But being able to prepare for a bad referee, being able to prepare for the strange things that go on in MLS is a big part of being a good manager in this in this league, I think. Mm-hmm. And the lack of experience that we continuously have. I'm not trying to make Dominic, Dominic uh, Kinnear sound like a, a master you know, manager. He's had some great success in the league, much more than anyone we've had. But I think it's those little things sometimes that can be the difference between a match. Look, like, they changed that, the... Yeah. That match, when going down to 10 men, penalty, that was it. They were written off, and they changed their style. Yes, they play a, they played a pretty ugly style, but they played an ugly style that got them three points when we should have just absolutely controlled that match from that point on. Yeah. Um, I think Toronto did control that game from that point on. I, I think a lost in a lot of the referee controversy and, oh my God, Toronto's terrible. Lack of finish? Uh, no, they finished. Just the goalkeeper stood on his yeah. head. That, yeah. right. that he is did true. have an yeah. outstanding game. Yeah. Admitted, yeah. admitted, yes. Fantastic. That might really have been the best. Fantastic. That was up there with like the top five goalkeeping performances in the league this whole season. Yeah. Yeah. Bendix got two of those as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> but yeah, I, I would agree. He, the second half was a much better game of football. And the best way I can encapsulate the whole thing is the difference between my wife, who was at the game in the first half, freezing and bored out of her mind... And then the second half, even she was going, whoa, wow, ooh, what happened? Like, like her, who she's not a football fan. However, she was engaged in the second half, which just tells me, just based on that alone, that the second half was infinitely better than the first. And it was, the traffic was all coming to our end. Or for the most of, sorry, the majority of the traffic was coming our end. There were, woodwork was hit multiple times. 
crazy goalie saves, crazy bounces and deflections. Um, I'm not. I can't even remember who it who had the ball, but the goalie was on a, on a side. He took a shot and it hit the only defender within probably like a hundred degrees of angle from his foot, and it was just what terrible luck. Like it was just unbelievable finish. But it wasn't all luck. Houston, oh, no, Houston had a few. Houston had a few chances and actually looked dangerous on the counterattack with ten men a few mm-hmm. times, which you know in a match like that. Just shouldn't happen. They hit, they hit the the post early in the second half as well, mm-hmm. uh, very close. Um, you know, it's yes, they're defending. Some people would call it thuggish or brutal, but they were getting that. For, they were getting the first body, the first boot in on every ball that would come into the final third. True. And you know, I don't know if TFC failed to stretch the field with uh, with a man up or what, but yes, it was a combo of. A midfield, I think, that couldn't penetrate well enough. Uh, and with Houston's luck riding on a goalkeeper, it's it's a loss that shouldn't have happened, but these things, you know, do time. It was bad timing that it happened now. Um, it That does bring up something that I guess might be more relevant a little bit later on, but bringing Defoe in and trying to fling long balls into a short forward surrounded yeah. by Houston's giants redwood, redwood trees yeah. Yeah. yeah it do any one of them stand shorter than 62 no, that one guy was like boys. a yeah. it's like a center in basketball Horst. <laughs> and Defoe has history with him yeah. Yeah. Didn't oh that's ball. right yes yeah. yes um, so to have that be your tactic, you sort of have to feel like the team was treading water and they hope that, oh, Defoe comes back, we just have to give him the ball. Yeah. And they didn't They didn't try, they didn't vary their attack enough. They were just flinging balls up there and hoping that something would fall. And it, it did fall and he missed. That's going to happen, but you need to have more options than mm-hmm. try and pick out your five foot six striker with a long ball against seven foot defenders. Yeah, and I think that that kind of encapsulates it that maybe that they didn't have a second idea of how to unlock no, the but, match. But they don't. They haven't yeah. all year. Yeah, and that's been a huge problem. The second idea always seems to be kind of like the fluke factor, where either somebody just takes a marauding ball, catches a defender off foot, and then it becomes the Look at that, that that mysterious combination of Asario and Moore and and somebody else or Haglin. Like guys that just kind of lurk in the shadows all game and all of a sudden, oh, there's a great shot on net. And that's the last you see of them all game. Yeah. Otherwise, it's Defoe and then, I don't know. Well, Gil when he's healthy. Uh, I miss Gil. I'm going to miss Gil. <laughs> don't say that. I'm, don't say that. That would be one of the worst bits of business they do. If yeah, I've already given a eulogy on the blog. <laughs> Don't do it. You can get you can get Club America matches on online. Don't worry about it. Univision. Yeah. Stop it. It's right after Bumblebee Man Show. Oh, <laughs> Wait, isn't that on the Ocho? Uh, well, yeah. I don't know. Houston was just... It's just one of those games that... And it doesn't help. The weather didn't help, but that's TFC weather. It's just one of those games that... You sort of feel like two months ago, they would have won, regardless of Derrick's goalkeeping heroics. I, I still feel like watching that game, regardless of if they played better in the second half, and sure they did, I still did not feel like I was watching a team. Yeah. I felt like I was watching a bunch of guys 
who occasionally happen to do something well together, but for the most part, we're like, oh, you're over... Oh, you're over there! Sorry! Yeah. And I'm gonna take this ball and run this way with it and ignore the other guy that's over here. And they just did it over and over again. And that's and... been a common refrain in the last three, four, five matches. This team is really coming together. Well, probably not a good idea to put a new manager in ten matches before the end of the season and need them to come together. Mm -hmm. Who knows how together they were, you know, under Ryan Nelson, but there was... Apart from when Caldwell and Morrow were out injured, there was seemed to be a bit more cohesion. Agreed. Ugly cohesion, but yeah. something that was obviously getting points. Um, I I think added to the to the whole managerial shuffle that shuffle that complicated the whole issue was, you know, this was a team that, if they're rebuilding, they've used up one transfer window, maybe two right now, and you know you had you had Oduro coming in late, you had. Um, who else did they add? Craval. Craval midseason. So, I mean, I guess, what's the old saying? You need, like, three or four transfer windows to really rebuild the side. Sure. So, and when has this team ever done that? Never. <clears throat> You're never. You'll never have a manager in long enough to see the third one. Well, that's right, because if we're using that, one, the last one and two has been under Ryan Nelson. Yeah. So, n number one, we'll talk more about Vanny staying later on, but n January would be number one under Vanny. So, here we go again. Well, hopefully, maybe you can you can skip fast forward a transfer window <laughs> okay. because Bezbachenko isn't. Okay. But I mean, like it's. Okay. It depends how much he wants to build a team for his coach or for the philosophy of the club. Yeah. So, all right. So Houston, yay! That was fun. Uh, New York, as we've sort of already started to talk about. Please rewind the last ten minutes and listen again when you hear Houston. <laughs> Well, no, 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 because, you know, that 20, you no, know, it was a different game because yeah, they had, it. they started the game off actually quite strongly. Yeah, surprisingly and it was, so. It was weird to watch. We're like, oh, wait, do they actually know how to play this game? Was that passes strung to, what's happening out there? It was, uh, you could see it all over Twitter and messages back and forth between friends and stuff saying, I, they're not, they're not bad. What is happening here? I'm confused. And then, oh, and then, <laughs> and poor defense, broke. and horrid work through the midfield, and just collapse. Yeah, it's, it's hard to think of a time when you've seen a team collectively drop its head after one goal like that. Oh, it was like someone, there was an invisible person out there slapping them all. But You're done. Yeah, that, and that's a, that's a bad indication of how fragile the club is. Yeah. If they do not have necessarily the belief that they can overcome going down 1-0 one one in the 25th minute. Exactly. There was that much time left in the game. Yeah. Which is odd because in that very same season that they not be down 2-0 to Houston only to come back and destroy them for 2 They've come back a few times this yeah. yeah. season. But yeah. like that's, they were down 2-0 tied up by half. Yeah. That's not a team that drops their head. That's nope. a team that's just like, all right, guys, let's get stuck in. It's also a team that managed to draw at Red Bull Arena, too. So. Exactly. Yeah. And, and they've done it recently, too. And that's the other yeah. thing, is what has happened in the last month. Unless things have... I mean, we'll never know the internal emotions of the locker room. But oh, we will eventually. <laughs> well, eh, we well, when we... Defoe goes to England, I'm sure that <laughs> three-page... Uh, he wasn't, he wasn't in the locker room enough to know the emotions. <laughs> 
I was um, told that. But, Larson keeps alluding to all sorts but, of terrible locker room things, so yeah, surely it'll all come out. Said. But perhaps <laughs> things have snowballed to the to the point where you know their backs are obviously have been against the wall now for a few weeks, and they know that one error is sometimes enough to. I mean, they've had some bad luck too thrown in there. We could throw Houston or what? Like sure. we talked the the Chicago. things that went against them. Sure, yeah, well, Chicago, yeah, and maybe maybe it's just reached the the breaking point for their emotions that they can't. They don't have that belief to be able to lift themselves after going down. Because there was no lift in them. There was no... Oh, that was it. There they was were, no chirping at each other saying, come on, let's get back done. in this. Yeah. They, they were. They were absolutely done. Um, it, it's sort of been a, a similar story for Toronto for the, the past four years. Like They always come out relatively well. First 15 minutes, first 20 minutes, miss a chance, and then concede a stupid goal. And their heads drop. And... Aside from it being a, a bit of a theme with the club, you sort of have to wonder if Laiwiki promising the playoffs in this first transfer window of the rebuild was was too much pressure. Wait, but there's no such thing as too much pressure in TFC, according to our new GM. I, I, I don't think it was terribly impossible. Like, no. I, like if, 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 the, if it was only, like, say, the top three in each division, which would make sense and ridiculous... Uh, postseason structures. Um, if it was if if it was such a small percentage that it went through, yes, I would I would agree. But five out of nine. Mm-hmm. But this you is, just gotta be in the you just gotta be in the top half of the class. Like, like you mentioned, it's not impossible. Like you mentioned earlier on, dude, this is the same team that was comfortably sitting in third place. Absolutely. There is no major facelift. Vanny hasn't brought in. People say, oh, he's doing some things better. His substitutions. That's what. Constantly being thrown as his strong point is it his substitutions are better. There's been no tactical revolution. No, his defense has gotten worse. Yeah, well, you know, so this is pretty much the same team who was capable of being in third place. Why is this team now capable of holding down sixth? Yeah, like we'll we'll talk more about the the playoff situation and whether or not Lewicki should have. Of course, he shouldn't have, and we'll talk about the marketing aspect and the bombastic nature of the management of this team for the last hundred years it feels like um but yeah sure there's there's been a lot of sure there's a lot of outside pressure internal pressure because they know that they and if you're a professional athlete presumably you have some sort of sense of self-worth and knowledge that we're better than this and you know, this is a big giant, you know, a lot of this is on them as well. As much as we throw shade and blame and, and cast doubt upon the coaches and the management, some of it has to be on the players. We can't just let it all, you know, they know how to play the game, allegedly. We've seen them play the game well. Good players find ways. But 11 players who don't match sometimes, no matter how sure. good they are, will not make a good team. But they did for a while. Yeah, but... Maybe they took out something out of that recipe that was working. Whether I'm not saying it was necessarily Nelson, could have been the whole combination of yeah. the staff that they something was working wasn't working for everybody, obviously, but enough of them. And that's all they needed this year. They just needed enough. They just they from the point where Ryan Nelson was even fired, they just needed to be mediocre. And they've they've been, been far below that. Yes. All right. Well, then let's move past let's let's move past the games then and just sort of like talk about it. Um, but we are going to sort of 
talk about New York a little bit in that, uh, well, we're talking about both games. So forwards, for a team that has always lacked the ability to score, that has died for someone to be a pure goal scorer, um, loss of Defoe certainly hurt them being on pace to be one of the best goal scorers TFC has had. And thanks for the mini memories. But Gil, coming back from injury in the New York game, why wasn't he brought on sooner? Why wasn't why the kitchen sink mentality that happened in the last 15 minutes of that game, why didn't that happen sooner in that game? Well, this is something that that's seemed kind of strange about Vanny. Yes, his, his sub-patterns have been a lot better, a lot more proactive, a lot more effective, but he almost seems to set up the team wrong in the first half, and yes, that's part of why the subs look good. So good. Like that L.A. game, before the game started, I was sure that they were playing a 4-2-3-1, yep. and Dom Maduro was going to cover that right flank, where L.A. just ripped them to pieces before Dom Maduro ends up on the right flank, and they shut them down. Granted, L.A. was already ahead 2 nothing. Wasn't too much more that they needed to accomplish, but... However, yeah. That, that sort of adjusting to your opponent... To keep the game close, but there was no idea, and there was no need for two forwards in that first half hour. Nope. Keep it tight. Keep yourself in the game. Get through the first half hour. Get through the first half. See what happens. It's you know you look you look back the Chicago game they came alive in the last ten minutes. Portland they come back and win in the second half. L A they only conceded one in the second half, which I guess is a positive. Houston. They were mediocre in the first half, second half. Granted, they were up a man, but they poured on some pressure and they played all right. And then New York, they scored in the second half. Like that's, it's a pretty consistent pattern of them coming out flat, making adjustments and doing slightly better. And and you have to ask yourself why, with the season on the line, did they not have that initiative in the first half? Yeah. And that's yeah, that's that's I think what did I put here. Why wasn't the attacking intent on the pitch from the beginning? Both games, but especially the New York game. Well, there's something to be said for, for staying compact at the back and keeping it organized and getting into the game. But that's where the L.A. result, where they were open for the first half, doesn't fit with... We're, we're playing to either you're sitting tight and you're keeping it defensive or you're going for it. You can't do both. And what, what you said it was interesting is that uh, about Vanny sort of setting them up wrong to start and then doing the impactful subs. Flip that with Nelson. I always feel Nelson actually put out... Most of the time, not always. Occasionally, I'd be like, "Why did you just make him start?" But I felt his, I felt his lineup choices to start were usually stronger. Subs was always his his game management was always in, in doubt, and I don't think anybody. Nope. I think maybe twice this season, I was like, "Oh, good, he's learned something." But I think he was just too sure of his starting lineup, and he was he was. It wasn't so much that he was late to to see what needed to be done. It was that he didn't change his mind he was so certain that his first choice was the right choice that he couldn't admit I think I think that could be said for for a lot of the prior managers too um, I know Cummings was, was very much like was uh, Carver was like that a lot yeah he'd make his substitutions were way too late but yeah if you if you're sure and I mean it's it's a it's a fair assumption because like I would say that our starting 11 I say ours like it's my team Toronto's starting 11 was is strong and and on paper, stat for stat, should be doing much better than they are. We can all agree to that. And when 
they were playing cohesively. It was it was it was comfortable. It was you know they might concede, but they might go up too. But now it's just it's the wheels have fallen off. I don't I don't understand. I don't understand what's the. I mean I realize tactics have a lot to do with it, but I don't understand what the difference between before and now. I would like to see though a better contingency plan in place. I don't know why we had why anybody had to wait until three down. I realized the third goal was scored on the cusp of halftime, but in a situation where this is kind of a you know live or die scenario with results and, and, and playoff implications, why not say, okay, let's play like this, see let's see if we can just stick it out, gut it out. But as soon as we're down we're down one, now let's go for the throat. I realize they probably should have been going for the throat at the beginning, but why not substitute them on at the twenty fifth minute? Why wait till halftime? Why wait till the hole is so deep that it's going to take something of a storybook finish to get out of? Well, going into the squad then and now, Ryan Nelson and now, it's interesting because they were getting enough results, enough to be in third. So that leads me to think one of two things. And you were talking about how good the the club is starting 11-wise, at full strength, let's say. So he was getting results. So that means either, you know... They were a good enough club, and they would have been good enough to go through. Or they're not that good a club, and he was getting the best out of them. Punching above their weight. And now, without him, they're at the level that they should be showing. They're not a very good club. And I don't think they're necessarily a very good club. They are a club, I think, that is on the fringes of the playoffs. I don't think that that defense stacks up against most in the league. The The midfield is uneven. At best, even at full the strength. The midfield is wrongly set up. Well, he, Benny, admits himself that his best midfield combination is Osorio and Bradley. And yet he puts Becker in and puts pu- pushes Osorio to the wing. Where he's horrible. Who refu- and he refuses, to play. much like Dero. Yeah. He, mu- he must be uh, tutoring under Dero. He refuses to stay on the wing and yeah. comes back in the middle. Because probably that's just his natural incl- inclination when the game gets, you know, and his, his head's not necessarily in it. He naturally goes that way. But, so, yeah, I don't know. I We'll talk more about, I guess, Vanny later, but I do. It's hard to tell where this club real, which which is the real club and where it stands. I think there's a third option too, which is that the rest of the Eastern Conference got a lot better. Mm. You know, like if I, you look at point, if you look at at how those teams were rounds. rolling yeah, midway year. through the season, they were terrible. And one of the things about the playoff pushes. You sort of have the first five months to get your side sorted out, hammer out your starting 11, to bring in the reinforcements that you need. And by the time you get to August, you need to be rolling. Yeah. And too many other teams in the East, your Columbus, your Philadelphia, although they fell on their face, Houston, too many other teams were making that push when Toronto took a step back with the coaching change. And I mean, that... That could explain why we saw them so high in the middle of the season when they were getting by on their talent. And when the cohesiveness didn't come, they fell off the pace. Of the last couple games and uh, lack of scoring, Defoe back to help the team with the playoff push, as he said 1,200 times in his triumphant return presser. Uh, 
really, it's been sort of hard to watch him. Although, I, I did say on the New York game, I thought he played better for part of it, at least. It looked like he was more of a team player as opposed to, these guys suck, I'm just going to take the ball and do stupid things with it. But really, has he has he checked out already, or did he ever really check back in? I, I said uh, something on Saturday night that hurt me as a Spurs supporter, but if he played here for 10 years more, we'd never see the amount of passion from him that Thierry Henry has shown for New York Red Bulls. Yeah. Yes. I know, and, and absolutely. I can see, see that hurting you on so many it levels. It hurts me on many levels. Absolutely. Because I am a huge disliker of Thierry Henry. But, you know, give him his due. He, he embraced going to Red Bulls, being a DP for that team. In, in every way, off the field and on the field. Yep. And in his attitude. And Jermaine Defoe, like I said, could spend another... His whole contract here, which he won't, obviously. And I don't think we'd see that. And I think that is the intangible difference, aside from just the talent level, of a successful DP and one that doesn't work out. I think if a player coming from a, a, a league in Europe, whether Spain, Germany, England, whatever, if they are not willing to embrace the project fully it's just not gonna work i think it's slightly different for the guys coming from south america because mls is a, a league on par or better with argentine brazilian league you can make a lot of arguments there as far as you know stability mm -hmm. and whatever but guys coming from the heights and i'm making big air quotes <laughs> um yeah if they're not if they're not on board for everything that goes along with being in mls and that they haven't done their homework beforehand coming here then you're going to get more of a Defoe and less of a Thierry Henry. Yeah, I completely agree. I, I think this sort of comes down to whether Defoe was actually ready to move over here. And I mean, I think this goes back to what we were talking about last time I was here, about how the World Cup snub affected his attitude at, you know, he, it was one last hurrah. The World Cup was going to be his one last center stage, world stage, England yeah. And when that didn't come, I think it hurt him and it, it distracted him. And uh, like Thierry Henry, he's probably been the best designated player that the league has brought over. I don't think he's gotten enough credit for how fantastic he's actually. No, I agree. Yeah. Even in, when New York was terrible, he managed he's, to yeah, weld them together. Consistently and, solid. There yeah. was one play against Houston from the weekend where he spotted the back post run of Kofi Sarkodie, made a. Yeah. ridiculous run to block on his own goal line and put the ball out for a corner. And it was just like, you're Thierry Henry scrapping at your own goal 37 line. 37 years old. <laughs> Save your ankles, you've made it. <laughs> no, I, yeah, I know, and it, it's true. I, I dislike watching New York because of that, because I don't like him at all. But I can't question, like you said, his passion or his talent. But the fact that he... Puts them both together out there or all the time. At the very least, his level of respect towards his club and the, and the league. Yeah. The time he spent in New York, how he acts when he's there. Mm. like. Well, this is a guy who, he actually watches the rest of the league. He yeah. knows everyone he's playing against. He knows everybody's name. He knows who the guy that made his first start last week is. Like, he's, he's switched on. He's tuned in. And he's still a competitor. Yeah. And yeah, and we saw another example in previous weeks with Robbie Keane in L.A. There's another guy who fully, he went to L.A., he could have stayed in Europe oh, yeah. at some level. Um, and he went there with the intent that he was going to embrace it, 
and this was going to be his future, and that's that. And, well, okay, I mean, playing for the Irish national team is... It doesn't have the difficulties of cracking the English squad necessarily for some reason. Basically, depending on England, what England has going up front. But, um, again, he fully bought into it. Yeah. And Jermaine Defoe, yeah, like you said, I, I think it was the only place he was going to get that payday. He wasn't going to get this payday in, in England, leaving Spurs. And, uh, yeah, once once the World Cup had passed, he, I think he looked into his future and said, ah, you know, three and a half years or whatever left with this mediocre club in a league that I don't really like have any care for yeah. competing in. Couldn't it be said, though, that with the case of New York and L.A., that the cultures at those clubs, it's it's professional top to bottom like there's I've not heard of so much upheaval combined from either of those clubs in the last seven years that Toronto's had in one season it's to me if if I if I was if if I knew MLS as I do and I was a player playing overseas and had my choice of Toronto New York LA regardless of it be LA being LA New York being New York <clears throat> Toronto would be third on that list no matter what. Just because everything keeps changing over and over and over and over again. I would want to go somewhere where, not even so much that I that I can be embraced, but I it's easy to embrace. It's easy to embrace Red Bull because the guy who owns the club believes in you know, his Red Bull marketing and believes in all the clubs that he's bought into and he puts the right guys in charge. LA, kind of a similar situation. They believe in what they're doing. They they believe they're growing the game. They believe they have a responsibility, and they show that with talent acquisition and just good, attractive football. Toronto is all about the cash, and it's a and it's it's grossly apparent. So is it? I don't know. For me, it would be hard to think. Even if even if Defoe was a super passionate player who plays with the heart on his sleeve and all the you know lovely hyperbole that comes with it, I would find it hard for anybody to say oh. I love this club. Toronto's amazing. They take care of me. They look after me. It never will feel like it. I don't know. I I disagree with you a little bit. Only because, and I never disagree with the fact that MLSC is just, you know, in it for the money. And that this club would be far better off if owned by somebody else. And that's a whole other topic of discussion, but it is something I firmly believe. However, I do, I do feel that not in every degree, because there's been tons of players that they have cast aside and not treated well, and, and recently, like within you know the last year, this has absolutely happened. But you also hear from part of the club culture, at least maybe in terms of getting them settled in the city and introducing them to the city and that part of it, I think that the club actually does a good job. Whether it's getting them excited about the team or excited about going forward that's a different thing but I think there's I think there has been some things and, and the one I'm going to bring up because it still breaks my heart and it will break my heart for years to come is Matias Lava um, he loved being here and he liked the city he liked the guys he was playing with he liked the team the facilities and stuff and they broke his heart a little bit and they shipped him off to Vancouver where now he's incredibly happy because he's off in Vancouver playing in a good team, again, where he's appreciated, but he's also not going to get tossed aside for the player he should be playing next to, which is Michael Bradley. Um, it's true. 
You don't. You know I'm right. You know I'm right. Well, what what do you have to say? Um, just uh, to go back to Henri, just for a second, because I know we're talking about Defoe. Um, I don't think you can discount that he loved New York, the city, before he played for the team. True. Now mm. New York, New York has had a, a lot of dysfunction in their past. Not nowhere near Toronto FC levels. No one could. No. But. He went to New York because he loved that city. It wasn't money. It wasn't playing for the Red Bulls. He loved the town. And Defoe probably couldn't have found Toronto on a map. Um, For all of the discussion that we've had here, I still don't think you can blame him that the team hasn't made the playoffs. You know, oh, no. It's oh, I don't. I, I, will not, I, will not, I wouldn't blame a single player we've ever signed for not making the playoffs. I don't blame a single player at all in any way. We're not making the playoffs. It starts off the pitch. Absolutely. Deep off the pitch. Way, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and I think maybe a lot of this with Defoe, he may have had all the best intentions coming here. And when, you know, the press conferences and the sizzle and everything that goes into a preseason is fine, and maybe the level of excitement is there. But much like everything in Toronto FC's history, the sizzle dies, and then you're left with what should be stake, and it is not. And once you get down to that day-in, day-out grind of what is actually going on at the coaching level, on pitch, in training, whatever it may be. I think that's the grind that he lost interest in. I believe you're lo- what you're looking for is, is uh, you're left with sizzling steak fajita crisps from England. Walkers in England. Exactly. Oh, so. And, and I'm, as long as they have Aberdeen Angus beef. Yeah, no, it's true. It says it on the bag. The best of beefs. Yeah, true. Ask anyone in Aberdeen. Now that we paid our sponsors this week, <laughs> James. <laughs> Ka-ching, chip money. We're going to focus on one more player before we get a little more broad, a little broader in this, and that's Michael Bradley, since he does come up in the conversation a lot, and he is our other DP. And we could talk about Gil, who is still going to be here next year, Mark. You be quiet. I hope so. I really do, too. They... And by here, that means if you're listening in Mexico. Oh, it will be one of the worst bits what of business they do if they get rid of him. What if they trade him to Vancouver for lava? That is Whoa, not... Oh, my God. <laughs> Funny. Although, you bastard. Your heart will be broken. What about my heart? Um, you know, Michael Bradley was the other, the last minute, and, and admittedly the player that they... You know, they weren't looking for. He fell into their laps. They perhaps wrongly decide to spend money for him. Maybe not. Um, I think he is one of the best players that TFC have ever had. And there's an opportunity for this team to build around him. He is clearly a leader. Uh, hot-headed, though. Thanks for the suspension for this weekend. That's a good job there. He's a man of the people. He was expressing what we were all feeling. Is that time. what that was? Not, spend time in not hey, my team is still mathematically in it, might need me for this game at home in front of our fans. We don't buy that mathematically in it. <laughs> perhaps course, perhaps, he, perhaps does, he doesn't yeah, either. Perhaps he's like, oh, fuck this. But, so a player who is being used incorrectly by two coaches, yeah. who doesn't have the right players playing next to him so he can play what he's best at, who, as I said, whose true partner, who should have been his partner, is off in Vancouver. Because seriously, can you just not imagine? Like, it, it drives me crazy. Just the thought of them playing together and how good it would be. But it's not going to happen, so I should let it go. Um, but for the people who call for his head and who say that he plays out of position, he tries to do too much, he is too much of a hothead, you know, like, do, do we agree with any of that outside of the occasional, sure, this game he tried to do too much, but who wouldn't with this team at your back? Um, 
how much of this, and I say a lot, goes on to the coaches for, you know, criminally misusing him. Um, Marcus? I agree with all three of those things. I believe he's a hothead. I believe he's played out of position. But that's with good reason. He is out of position, and he's pissed. Like, I understand his frustration. And I think even if you were just looking at it from where this, where things were going, like the path that they were traveling, even on, a, say, a points-per-game average, and seeing it downturn, and he's looking at this as the general, so to speak, what the hell's going on? Like, he's, it, feel, it looks like he looks like he's lost control, even though it's not really his control to have. And I would be yelling at everybody if I were him. And it's 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 misdirected hostility because you can't like can you yell at your coach? Can you yell at the back staff? Like who do you yell at? He did fight his father in the tunnel. I know, the which Cup, is still so. one of my favorite things ever. <laughs> Nobody's off the table. <laughs> you know, you still have you still get together at Christmas, so you can't really hate him all that much. But you know what I mean? Oh no, like, yeah, absolutely. I I, I I I understand it, and I mean. I think if he didn't yell at people, he probably would have exploded on the pitch right now. Like, body parts everywhere. How can you fault the guy from trying to do too much when he's never had the stability behind his position or in front of his position from day one? He's never had a number 10 in front of him as an attacking midfielder. When he pushes up, people complain because, oh, it leaves a big gap in the defensive midfielder position. But he's had a rotating cast, whether it be Colleen Warner, et cetera, et cetera, behind him. They've kind of played him before. We've seen so many matches where he is playing a sweeper in the first five minutes of the match. I'm like, what's going on? We're missing this. And then there's absolutely nothing linking to the attack. But when he has so much on his shoulders, and that's, you can't take away what he's paid because people look at that and say, you should be doing this much more than everybody it's else. It's not his fault he gets paid that much. No, it isn't. It isn't. But he's, I'm just saying that as general. He's paid market value. You know, for his worth. Maybe a bit above because of the situation the TFC were in mm-hmm. and looking for big answers. But you, you, I can't personally fault him for trying to do so much when he has had so little of a plan around him and so much is on his shoulders. I would add two points. The first is just a slight criticism in that there have been a lot of moments where he hasn't done the tracking back that there was there was a period in that summer under Nelson where four or five goals were entirely him not tracking a guy running late into the box I think the last one I can remember might have been against Houston it might have been that Brad Davis yeah it's true that he had that that very odd it was a very after the World Cup yeah Yeah. Yeah. he was just out of sorts I don't know if there was something going on or if he was just tired but Mm -hmm. there was a there was a period where he warranted some criticism for his actual Mm -hmm. yeah yeah agreed The other point is, I think maybe we expected a little too much from making the transition. This is something that I sort of harp on a lot, but the transition from a winter season to a summer season, the transition from European football played at its pace to MLS with its sort of... Stop and start. Stop, start, physical, hot, everything you can add. And then add on top of that extra concern, a World Cup in the middle of the summer. And I mean... Those transitions from time of season, weather, to adjusting to going all out at a World Cup, it was an impossible task for him to be the player that everyone wanted him to be this season. Yeah, And I, I think you have to take that into the context of everything of... The transfer happened really fast. Like I don't think this was a well-planned out move. I think it was, oh, oh this no. Roma thing isn't working out. 
So, I mean, you have his personal life getting moved. You have transition back to MLS. Who knows how he even feels about his time in Europe having come to an end so quickly. Like, that's... Mm -hmm. For a player that aimed as high as Bradley has in his career, that has to have been something to deal with, if not necessarily a blow. So, maybe we expected a little bit too much from him, and then he has been completely stranded. I still think that this team has been set up wrong from the beginning. I think yes. both the coaches have... have there's sort of two ways you can you can feel the team. You can put out the system that you want to play and fit players into that system, or you can fit the system to the kind of players that you have. And I think Toronto under Nelson was set for that English 4-4-2, big man, little man. That's why they got Defoe. That's why they got Gilberto. That's why they got Livmore. And then when Bradley came into the picture, he didn't fit that 4-4-2. And so you're trying to fit a poacher like Defoe with a guy who wants to control the midfield like Bradley. And, and you're trying to play two different games. You're trying to play the game that draws the other team up high and, and puts Defoe in behind, or you're trying to play the move-the-ball-around-quickly game. And that's, you know, when your two most important players don't necessarily work well together, you're always going to be looking for an identity. And I don't think this team ever found it. Your three most important players don't work well together. Well, Gil, I think Gil plays better with Bradley than, than Defoe does. Oh, yeah. I think um, Gil at the top of a 4-2-3-1 as the long beautiful. forward would have been perfect. Put but, somebody beside Bradley, have an attacking... Even if you put more in attacking midfield. That's actually not a bad idea. Yeah, that's where he's been playing the last You know, there's going to be, so. like, a coaching position open in a couple of months. Do <laughs> <laughs> you have any badges? Um, a couple weeks. They're not necessary. <laughs> I, I played a trial version of football manager for a week. Oh, you're, like, the most qualified coach we've seen in years. Queen's uh, Park in Scotland did quite well. Nice. Up the spiders. Well, then. But it is, it is a frustration to, to watch, um, to, you know, and it's, it's sort of a comment on the whole team, is to watch all these disparate parts None of them working well together for the most part. Occasionally there was, you know, we saw a couple games where it was like, okay, this is how it's all supposed to lay out. And those were, those quickly became the exception instead of the rule. Um, but like, not just the DPs. And so, yeah, three DPs that don't, haven't played well together. In some cases weren't given the opportunity to play well together. I still think that there was a chance for Defoe and, and Gil to have have something work together and people keep pointing back to that New York game and oh that's where all it fell apart they hate each other I'm like oh screw that who cares if they hate each other I don't even care if it's true I don't care if it's not true what was it Teddy Sheringham and uh, Andy Dwight York Andy Cole one of them they yeah. wouldn't speak to each other playing for England but they still they play score. No, exactly but they you know you, you suck it up and you play you know because you want to win games and that's what people who are played millions of dollars should do anyways and that's what they normally will do so i think that's a bunch of bull but i do think that there's been missed opportunities um in how all three of them have been played and when they've been played and i think that that's been that'll be the biggest sort of moratorium on this team is the fact that they wasted three dps this year they wasted them well i guess just to build on that a little bit it will only be a waste if they tear it down. If this year built into... Not to get all optimistic <laughs> about next year. You're adorable. <laughs> if if this was a wasted year and next year it's back at, at square one, then yeah, they wasted the three. But if this was a year where 
they worked out the bugs, and next year is amazing. And well, one is gone for sure. Yeah. So it depends what they want to do with that. Get a CD. I can't see them. Did that that club's philosophy from an ownership level will not buy a DP center back. Is Olaf Melberg still? <laughs> <laughs> Probably as a non-DP. Uh, the um, league has let some DP center backs yeah. come in. But I don't see. That. But I don't see MLSC being interested. They want a guy who scores hashtag they goals. Want, they want stars. Yeah. Yeah. But I would question how interested they are to begin with. Well, that's the thing. I'm not sure. We we know Lewicki will be gone in the decision. I don't even know how much in the decision making process he is already. He might be a lame duck already, and. There was lots of rumblings that the ownership is tremendously unhappy with the amount of money put out in those DPs, and now for that to blow up in their yeah, face. Yeah, for no return. Yeah. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, you could see them maybe not. We might only have two DPs next year. And that'd be okay if they built the rest of the team. Right, use that money to upgrade, get a proper bench. The Tunnel Club. Oh, well, you know. Woo! Can't wait for the Tunnel Club. Money well spent. All right, so we'll then talking about next year and um, whether or not there's going to be a core, who's going to be the coach. So, Greg Vanny. There's been, recently, a fair amount of talk. Uh, there should be, because there's a lot of focus on him. Um, some people will say it's not fair to focus on him. I say, screw you, of course it is, he's the coach. And uh, apparently has so much experience that we are all ignoring. Um... Why is the call going out for him to stay next year? To, to, oh, we need stability. This team never has stability. When Nelson was never given that same uh, support, I don't feel. That it was like, okay, we need stability, so we'll keep Nelson on board. Why is Vanny different? What is he, because he helped coach Chivas? Like, that, no, I'm serious. Is that, is that the, the, you know, the foundation we're resting this on because he's got a little bit of MLS coaching experience and is a friend of our GM. Yeah, I don't think it has really necessarily anything to do with his past or what he's done here. I think it's almost out of embarrassment if he stays. We can't have the optics of firing another coach. Two coaches in one season. Yeah. And, and we, I think we mentioned when he was hired, Bezbachenko, by not giving him the interim stamp, painted himself into a corner where this is my permanent guy. If he would have just said to the end of the season, they could have easily moved him back to the academy. No one would have been blinked and I said, okay, we got a good mind for the future here. He can still work in the Thank club. Thank you for all of his contributions. Yeah, good he, job he, shepherding them to the end of the season. He stewarded us through a hard time, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. We, we've got a good foundation of personnel here. But no, he had to... He, Bezbachenko wanted to put his stamp on as the boss and he was going to be the decider and made him the permanent guy. And now... He's got this conundrum where if he fires him, it looks like just the same old thing all over again. Um, but if he keeps him, and then thing, and then it's a really bad start to next season. Either way, Bezbachenko has really screwed himself into a tough spot. I think it's even worse than that. Where it, if he, if Vanny does not stick around, it calls into question why Nelson was fired. Yeah. And so this isn't even just a face-saving thing. It's a questioning his decision-making mm-hmm. thing, which is, that's a whole nother level than just, oh, I'm going back on my word, because it might be the right thing to do. And yeah. I mean, as much as 
it sucks that this club is just a constant revolving door. If it's the right thing to get, we talked about this last time with Nelson, where if they needed to get rid of Nelson in at the start of the season, start fresh, that was the time to do it. But they decided against reason that they should try this stability thing only to tear it down when it didn't work like I think that when they kept Nelson, it was for that reason, too. It wasn't because they really, truly believed in no, Ryan Nelson. And I know it was that. because they wanted to look like a stable club. Well, let, let's, fast, let's fast forward to next August. Are we having this exact same conversation? Where Absolutely. They kept well, Vanny. Yeah, we just switch yeah. the names up. If, if, Vanny, kept Vanny. Yeah. if Vanny's kept, I do think so. I, I don't see people keep touting his apparent changes. I don't see anything that has shown me. But he hasn't been given time to build his own team yet. Sure, okay, so that's, like we mentioned before, that I takes know. two or three windows. <laughs> exactly. And you have to be damn sure this is the talent you want to back for that. What is that definition of insanity again? I can't quite remember. Yeah, yeah, it's doing the same thing, So expecting it to be different. I guess, I guess the crux of the issue here is, should they take that plunge now and take the, the temporary hit of looking like a foolish club yes. and make the change, or should they see if they can gut it out? Get an experienced coach, please, for just for all of God. Like, just come on. Bite the bullet. Let's do this properly for once. Like, yeah. if you want to play with, if you want to play, not even with the big boys, you want to play with the mediocre boys, you want to play with the mid table guys and talk about stability. Vanny said it in at least one interview after the game that that's what you need in this league. You need, I copied it in here somewhere. Where is it? You need uh, stability and a core group of players. Yes. Really? That 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 is uh, in brackets. Oh yeah, and, and a, me and the coach and too. the coach too. Keep the coach, but but you also need someone who knows what he's doing. Like I and you know kudos to you know when they hold up the the new coaches, the guys. Oh well, you know so and so who had almost no experience. Look what he's done. Okay, great. <laughs> Thank you. You can throw that in there next. <laughs> but that they've also been given the time to do it. And no one's ever had that here. And I don't know that you, we, they should do that back-to-back with two inexperienced coaches. Let's, you know what? Fuck, let's get Bob Bradley here. I don't even care anymore. I don't think Vanny should have ever been hired in the first place. Like, I'm not, this isn't even a... For the academy, I'm, you mean? No, well, no, you know what? You can hire whoever you want for the academy. Because... Not to trivialize it, but in the grand scheme of things, he's a caretaker. What I'm looking for is, if you're going to fire Nelson and, you know, even just hint at his inexperience and whatnot, why wouldn't you, with the history you have of the revolving door of coaching, why wouldn't you have had lined up an actual proper coach with actual proper experience and actual proper qualifications? I know it was a knee-jerk reaction and all that, you know, this had to be it. Oh, he's being insubordinate. Sure, maybe Vanny should have been the interim and just swallow your pride. But, like, they need, they've need needed the right guy for, we'll say, the last five years. Because your expansion team, you're fumbling around the dark. Eh, we're under-talented. You know, you can make those excuses. But after about a season, after about two seasons under your belt, you know what the hell's going on. You know what's up. Why does it, why do we have to keep just filling the role in, for the sake of filling the role. Go and line somebody up. And as soon as they say, yes, I'm available, their contract ends March 1st. You tell Vanny right now 
you are going to be replaced March 1st. You have two choices. You can stick around and we'll give you a nice, wonderful title. You'll keep your salary. We'll send you on out. Like, like you can still save you can face. Be a scout. You can still save face you and can keep be our him. Scout in Bermuda. Whatever. You can still say, if it's all about the face, Stay still save house. face, but go and get the right guy for once. And you've got all the time in the world. We know this guy is is arguably making the team worse than the last one. Let's get somebody right. I would fully agree with you, except there are very few managers who are guarantees in MLS. I mean, mm-hmm. unless you're going to get Bruce Arena or Siggy Schmidt to come here, I'm not sure there's anybody else who you could say... We will pay you whatever you want. Come and save this team. Maybe Bob Bradley is an option, but I'm I'm not sure that you know you could go and get Louis Van Hal. You can get Fabio Capello. You can get whoever you want. I don't know if they're gonna adjust. I, I you to know this it, league. it doesn't even have to be a big name manager. Just go get one that's got some badges and qualified for the playoffs once. There's there's got to be at least a half a dozen of them just doing nothing. Well, I think MLS MLS is sort of strange. Like the first generation of coaches that did well here are your Thomas Rongans, you know, your your Bruce Arenas and your Siggy Schmidt's. Like a lot of the other guys who sort of had half chances are are coaching in college or they're they're on the back benches of teams. Like think of Tommy Sohn. Think of um, who was the chief? Yeah, Robin uh, Robin Fraser, who's on the bench. You know, there is a recent history of, of former players doing really well in this league because it is, it is a different prospect, this league, compared to most other ones. You know, you have your Jason Christ as the example of a former player that comes in and does well. You have your Ben Olsen and your Jay Heaps. Like, Jay Heaps was the revolution broadcaster the year before he was brought in. Yeah. So I don't know if Vanny's credentials necessarily rule him out. And I, I see a lot in him that I do like. I'm just not sure if... The coach is the problem, mm. per se. Yeah, perhaps the maybe the difference between those other guys who've come out of nowhere or with little experience have come into a much more stable environment. Mm-hmm. I think with Toronto FC being a constant circus, someone who has been there, done that with ownership oddities and personnel troubles that hit every club, I think you need someone who can calm the waters in those times having someone who has to learn the skill of handling his squad and then juggling the media uh, the media you know the craziness that goes on at toronto fc behind the outside of the squad that's a whole different thing i think they are as tfc in the offseason may be as faithful as their options i think greg vanney gets the nod to go ahead unless in one final Blaze of glory, Tim Lewicki calls up Bruce Arena and says, you've won everything you can in L.A. Do you want the ultimate Are you up test? for a real yeah, challenge? Really? Yeah. <laughs> and there's egos sure, in managers absolutely. who say, I'd love to be the one that takes that club and hey, turns hey, that actually, club around. Yeah. There's all, you're always going to get that ego. How many of those guys there is? <clears throat> Bob Bradley is the name that fly, floats around. Not sure what kind of level of interest he has in leaving Norway. People say, I don't want him being here uh, playing his son. That's ridiculous. That's his son his exactly. son is the first name on this, the sheet no matter what. Exactly. No matter who the manager is. Yeah. They have worked that out before, fine. That is it's not an issue. issue. Yeah. If, if he's available... He plays. You, or he coaches. No, I mean, if Bob Bradley's available, yeah. you, you take that. 
if Bruce Arena, Siggy Schmidt are available, and you don't do that, and to stick with Greg Vanny because of wanting to look stable, nah, then you deserve what happens. Just one more, one more note on that MLS experience thing. Like they went in that direction with Ryan Nelson, but he'd been out of the league for so long yeah. that he wasn't really an MLS guy. Yeah, mm-hmm. and it was. He didn't wind down his career in MLS too. Yeah. I mean, he was never around for the times when, when, you, when the quiet moments when you're on, when you're on the bench next to the managers and seeing what happens. No, he, you know, he was in Europe, like you said, for five years. And Vanny is a full MLS guy. So yeah. I mean, like maybe if if it didn't work going halfway with Nelson, maybe the full MLS immersion experience will turn out better. But yeah, it's a pretty good name for a rock band. Yeah, which yeah. full immersion. Full MLS immersion experience. Yeah, yeah. it's it's like the it's Alan Parsons project. <laughs> <laughs> so is it prog rock? What are we doing? Yeah, of course, <laughs> it's definitely prog rock. Damn, it's whatever style you want. Exactly. It to be. Depends on your designated players, of course. Yeah. Yeah. Who's the designated your... guitarist this week? Oh, oh, that's it has to be Warren Gravel. <laughs> I don't know. I just thought he'd be that flat top. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I don't know. I think no. no wait, he's the rap be... interlude. Right. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, that's right. He's <laughs> not John Barnes. <laughs> no, but I'm, I'm looking for the worst rap I could think of. The first thing I thought of was John Barnes. Blanks, everybody's favorite hashtag game. Last week's bitchy blank was TFC players should be thankful for blank this holiday weekend. Um, before we get to our winner out of the many submissions, thank you all for playing. Let us go around the table and see what you fine gentlemen had as answers. James. TFC should be thankful for hockey season starting as there is much less media fuel to be burnt discussing their absolute failure all right <laughs> very dark that was dark that was that was all right tony tfc players should be thankful for the existence of actual turkeys <laughs> makes them look less turkey-ish not turkish turkish i think was the word you were looking for but yeah all right fact. tfc players should be thankful for having the entire postseason off this holiday weekend uh, I, I, went, I think I went a little darker. TFC, TFC players should be thankful for the fact that fans don't know where they live. <laughs> this holiday I think that was way darker. Than that. <laughs> yeah, that, that was You're practically sunshine over there. <laughs> They're practically condoning assault. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe they wanted to give them I was celebrating or, failure, yeah. yeah. yeah you thank were, you, you just, cards. At best, you were putting burning dog poo on there. 
doorstep. Door We're just gonna do a little TPing. It's fine. Or or basement apartment if you're if you weren't little. No DPing though. Yeah. That said, I think I do know where Nick Hegland and uh, Dan Lovitz live. So if anyone has any burning boys, <laughs> it's actually they of of the whole team. They probably deserve the least flack for it. It's true. But them living together is a hilarious sitcom. <laughs> and Chris can often, what happens Chris when Chris can often cooks for them, so. <laughs> oh no, he's the neighbor. He's yeah, the neighbor that comes crashing in the door. Neighbor, yeah. It's like, hey guys. It's like, what are we going to do tonight? <laughs> <laughs> Who is it? Kanopka here. Two, two and one and a half men. <laughs> I always thought a little bit more as he's the guy... Behind the fence, are you only ever <laughs> <laughs> He's Wilson? He's Wilson. Except it's from chest up. You don't see his hey. <laughs> no, You see his chest, yeah, but his head's in the tree. <laughs> <laughs> and he would do that growling sound. <laughs> sitcom. Do you see sitcoms? Yeah, Other than that. the last eight years. Screw that um, all for one. Sanchez. And we've got ratings here. <laughs> two, and a, two and a one and a half men. <laughs> Alright, uh, this week's winner, however, is Richard Barter, at Richard Barter on the Twitters. Hey, new winner. Thank you for playing, sir. Uh, TFC players should be thankful for the fact that there's no relegation in MLS. Solid. Solid. Good, good very good point. Uh, so, this week's bitchy blank is, in lieu of playoff tickets, TFC fans will receive blank this postseason. As always, please do send us your responses on the Twitters at Vocal Minority Pod. No A in the vocal. In the comments on our website, vocalminoritypodcast.blogspot.ca, or in the comments thread on Waking the Red when it's posted there. Play often. As always, I do get bored at work. Turn those rounds upside down and do it again. <laughs> so, playoffs. Speaking of the playoffs, um, with, uh, with uh, DC beating Houston, TFC can actually still somehow magically limp their way into the playoffs should this absolute combination of things happen. There are no, permu- there are no other permutations, which is nice, I guess. So people can't say, oh, but wait... TFC have to win their next two. Columbus have to lose their last two. Like, that's it. There's there's nothing else. This is what has to happen. However, really, everyone needs to stop talking about it. Just please, let it go. Please. Just, it's not going to happen. And if it does happen, that is not a good thing. Like, there's... <laughs> this is not a team that belongs in the playoffs. They'll get destroyed. What are they, what's their first game likely to be? In New York? Oh, that'll be fun. Like... Just let it Nothing go. Nothing bad can happen. Yeah, <laughs> no. yeah. No. They've gone to New York many times it's near the end so of seasons and done well. Like, let's just let's just let this go. Well, the worst part of that equation is what would come of it for us if right. the, if they squeeze into the playoffs and roll with MLSC them. gets to say we did what we promised, we made the playoffs. Here's oh by the oh by the way, here's next year's tickets. 
Yeah. Renew those tickets. Oh, wait. None of us deserve to pay more for this team walking backwards into the playoffs and getting hammered in one match. Yeah. I don't think moonwalked, but... No, that's no. too sexy. Fair enough. No, I think you make a good point. If, if, that's, if that's the outcome is limping into playoffs and we get gouged, it, I may as well be physically slapped in the face. Because I'm already being metaphorically slapped. That will be the prize if you sign up early. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> the early bird Get special. that new kit. Yeah. yeah, I know. I'm, I'm Marley's tickets. Bang! <laughs> slapped in the face by legend Danny Dicchio. <laughs> Not bad. You, you know what? It's not bad. more of a head butter than a slap. Yeah. Lauren Robert is more of a slapper. <laughs> oh, <well>. Promotional <laughs> campaign. A limp-wristed slap in the face from former wing specialist you Lauren Robert. disgust me. <laughs> Why are you still here? <laughs> <laughs> Have you no self-respect? Just to take this into the realm of fantasy for a second. Because <laughs> we're not already. Mm. Have, you, have you watched this club? <laughs> <laughs> Life is just when it comes to the playoffs, as ridiculous as it sounds that they're still alive and, and anybody is entertaining the possibility of them getting there, once you're in, anything can happen. I mean, we've talked about it all season that this is this is a team with some talent. And mm-hmm. as ridiculous as it sounds and as improbable as I feel in saying it, when it comes down to one game, who knows what happens? Get know? out. <laughs> <laughs> You're forever banned. You don't understand the purpose of this podcast, do you? Me. I'm just, I'm just Burn. trying no, to yeah. give a counterpoint. That's why like, I like having James here. He's actually like far more optimistic than I am. So. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's a fair point, yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, let's say, let's say that the pressure of, of having this playoff or bust label put on them was a factor all season. Is it inconceivable that by getting there, there would be a weight lifted off of them and we see this magical unicorn of a team pull something off? And I mean, you only have, speaking of horrible defeats in New York, you only have to go back to 2009 when Salt Lake... Walked backwards into the playoffs by dint of TFC shooting themselves in the foot and went on to win the MLS Cup. So, yes, there's a possibility that, uh, you know, they could get in and anything can happen. I just don't want them to make that one game, go into a place like New York and have a terrible showing and then that being used as any kind of reason to jack up season tickets next year because fans don't deserve to have that put on our backs based on the performances of the last little while or in the season in general really yeah that was that was something that I hadn't really thought about um, the ramifications of that one game on season ticket prices exactly. which is and they will they will wave that like a shiny banner yeah. how, how sad is that though like well it's not it's not sad from their pers- their perspective it's it's sad that a most of us would probably pay that increase. And that's something Guilty. that we will talk about Guilty. on probably next week. When it happens. <laughs> um, but the fact that they see it as justified. And they absolutely would. They would say, yeah. well, we said. That's what we said. Playoffs. And, and then where are we? We playoffs? will ask you for a raise when we do what we say. Yeah. And that's exactly how the wiki phrased it last year. We're not going to ask you for a raise now. We haven't done our job yet. But should we limp our broken asses into the playoffs well 
look at us. We said we would do it, and we did, so pony up. Yeah, there's no... Tunnel Club don't pay for itself. There was no asterisks in that. No. In that that said... It was how. very <laughs> yeah. blatant. Or home match or anything yeah, like that. It yeah, it just said playoffs, and then we will ask for more money. Um, I still maintain the season is a bust if there isn't a home... If there isn't a home playoff date. Because that's that was my goal. Technically, that first round isn't playoffs. It's play-in. <laughs> Look, playoffs, play-ins, play-throughs. You can put whatever other <laughs> word you want after the word play. It doesn't matter. If there isn't a home date associated with those play things, another one, um, It's it, the season's a bust. So you can limp in all you want. It's still a failure. They should be. There should be at least one home date. And I don't even. I really still don't care if they advance from that. I just want one home playoff date to justify the last eight seasons of bullshit. You'll have your three nil play in, and you'll like it. <laughs> All right, <well>. increase. <laughs> so talking about management and talking about something we've we've touched on several times today already about the need for um, a core, a need for stability, a need for. Something to stay the same at TFC. And and it starts with management. It starts with... Unfortunately, it starts with the company that owns our team. But that's always going to be a problem. And it's something we're going to have to learn to deal with as much as we all hate it. And we'll probably refuse to deal with it well. Because MLSE is about the bottom dollar. They're not about results regardless of what they say. They are about what is big and what is shiny. And what is the big bloody deal. And the problem with TFC and with any MLS team, quite frankly, is that you can't you can't do that. So you need to build a core group. And you look at every single team that consistently makes the playoffs. You know, RSL anyone? Seven and seven? Hate them. Uh, Houston, this is only the second time in their entire existence as an MLS club that they're not making it into the playoffs. How many years in a row is this for New York? Like, I, I could go on. I don't want to because it will make me cry. Um, but don't buy toys just because you see them in the window. Play with the ones you have. And I mean that. Like, they just need to stop. And they won't. Or will they? Do is there? Does anybody have any small kernel, James? Any small kernel of hope? Looking to you. Reaching out to you, James. <laughs> and your James, opt- what do you have? And your, and your shiny, starry eyes. Uh, uh, that this will actually happen for once. I think the club has... They've approached the turnaround from the wrong angle repeatedly. Yes. You you don't build from the top. You know, you build from the bottom and you work your way back up. And as much as they needed to to excite the fans before this season started, maybe you get the other 20 players on your team before you pick the 3 DPs so that they're fitting into a system. We were talking earlier about how Bradley and Defoe don't necessarily work together. I'm sure they could, but... You don't put the icing on the cake. I'm just going to keep spitting out cliches. But yeah, do They're it. awesome. You don't put the icing on the cake before Give it 110%. Yeah. Well, before the cake that, is that cool. goes without saying. Yeah. Um, so I, I think that's been a problem. They've been Their goal has been to sell tickets as opposed to winning. Because mm-hmm. if you win, you sell the tickets, and it doesn't matter how many tickets you exactly. have. You will sell them. So I, I, I'll... The one-year turnaround that the club has constantly tried to do, like the blaming the last guy out the door for leaving the lights on overnight. Man, I'm just full of cliches today. They're awesome. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> Crushing it. The 
the putting all of the blame on the last guy and trying to turn it around immediately is something that it's a bit of a long shot. I mean, DC managed to do it this year where they were terrible last year. And if you look at their team, like Eddie Johnson is a designated player. He's barely even been a factor. Yeah. And what they did was they brought in guys who first knew the league, who you knew what you were going to get out of. There wasn't any questioning what Bobby Boswell is going to bring to a team. You know what a guy like Davey <sighs> Arnaud brings. You know what Fabian Espindola is going to bring to your team. And it's sort of, it sort of goes against my point of you can't do it in one year because they basically did do it in one year. But I think that's a little bit different because they built with, instead of possibility, they built from actuality, yeah. if that makes any sense. No, absolutely they, does. they knew what their guys were. They knew that they could produce. They weren't bringing in a guy from overseas that had to adjust. They weren't banking on two guys that don't necessarily work together, working together. And I, I think this just comes down to the team, and maybe, maybe we're to blame in this, like, the fact that every season the fans are like, oh, well, we better make the playoffs next year or I'm out the door. Like, I didn't ma- say that before this season. I was one of the few people who said that, and I argued with people. I did not care if they made the playoffs this year. I wanted them to build a stable goddamn team with a good core group of players, and instead they went and went crazy, and everyone went playoff crazy. And I was, I honestly did not expect them to make the playoffs this year. So this actually doesn't surprise me any of what's happened. Because I didn't think they were going to, regardless of um, the composition of this team. I didn't think they were. Well, I, I just think there's a general expectation. And, and for a long time, I've thought, I've thought that some of it was compensation for the fact that all the other Toronto sports teams are such a disappointment that sure. all of that playoff expectation gets gets hoisted on the next team. Like, you know, who Blue Jays stink, by? the TFCs stink, so all oh, the Raptors are going to do it this year, you know. Well, the Leafs finally won. Like, so there's this constant rolling over of expectation that just isn't a healthy way to build something that's going to last. Yeah. And that, I mean, it's in general with this, with MLSC's handling of this club, and we've said it a million times every which way, it's always the sizzle over the steak because that's the easiest thing to get. The steak is the hard thing to get. That takes time. That takes professional people doing it. And... It takes patience, and it doesn't necessarily make it easy to do cross-promotions with a million different companies in the meantime. And these are, unfortunately, all the things that go into the thought process at MLSC, or lack of thought process, when they are building slash rebuilding this team. Uh, You know, we probably, in the end, if this team ends up in... Fifth, sixth, or I'm sixth place. We probably could have achieved this with uh, without the big bloody deals. Yeah, we could have achieved this very same uh, result, very or same final spot by stacking the team full of guys you want to build into 2015 with, rather than facing the imminent departure of your main piece and questions about where your Cap future captain fits in, and whether Gilberto has a future here, you know, I don't see how too much was built beyond all the eggs were in one basket is basically it for this season. Although they didn't draft poorly this year, like I think this is one of the first years where they actually did something kind of okay with with their with their draft. Picks. Yeah, ex- except maybe those guys aren't getting the the play on another team. 
are they're no, oh, they're, no. they're excelling through Toronto. They're yeah, being forced to play. They're excelling through shallow depth. Sure. And you know, they're rookies. They're gonna have their failings next season. Well, this season and next season. Well, next season, hopefully not so much. Hopefully, that baptism of fire helps them build, but it doesn't always. Yeah. See Orsario. Back to your point of the whole selling the sizzle. Uh, I would like to think that, or at least I've always had this perception that Toronto is, as a as a market, of 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 sports connoisseurs, is that they're they deserve better than this. That Toronto somehow is on par with the New Yorks and the Los Angeleses and even the Chicago's of the world of of professional sports where, well, we're a big city, we deserve these championships. And, you know, with the with with the Blue Jays being kind of an exception because they're they're not part of MLSE's banner and Rogers has always thrown money at the team to try to make them into the playoff contender, never guaranteeing it, but try. And they always like last season should have for all intents and purposes, should have been one of those seasons, but didn't work out. But I don't know dick about baseball. As far as selling the sizzle, though, MLSC looks at this as we need to sell these five thousand dollar a game private boxes with these two hundred dollar a seat ticket for a league that isn't worth either, as far as I'm concerned. And that's not a slight against ML, uh, ML Major League Soccer, but. It's not. This is not top-shelf anything. Mm-hmm. It's not even top-shelf North America. If they want to be an exciting league, let's see if we can move one of the Liga MX teams up here. Because at least that would be a far more interesting league with a greater depth of talent. So, selling the sizzle is the only way they're going to make their money back. Let's go and get a big bloody deal. But not only get a big bloody deal, but tell everybody exactly how big this bloody deal truly is. And, I don't know, I kind of felt that the whole Jermaine Defoe thing was a little on the overstated, but it worked, because now people know who the hell he is. Or at least ask questions as who this guy was. Fine. That does not, but you're right, that does not make a championship team. That It is working backwards, but there's also, you can't sell those tickets with 21, 23 nobodies. And that's, and no disrespect to them, but they're nobodies. Like, at least with the... Let's take the Raptors, for example. They unearthed two All-Stars in the last three seasons. Lowry became an All-Star. Right, and, but they were nobodies more or less before but that. But they were nobodies before that. But this is also the NBA, where your your opponents can mean the difference between a 10,000 attendance or let's sell these tickets on StubHubs because we can triple our money type games. MLS doesn't happen the same way. There is mm. no game in MLS. New York. Maybe. When, LA? Yeah, no. not since Beckham left. Yeah, exactly. I, I think for the Toronto card, really hard to sell the okay. opponent as the exactly. as the attraction. In MLS, the, for the lar- for the most part, it doesn't exist. Nobody nobody that I know is ever going to be like, oh, can I have your tickets? Because I got to see Zussi. Real Salt Lake's coming. <laughs> like, they've made the playoffs eight, time, eight times in a row. Like, that's, yeah. that's not a thing. Not yet. I don't know if it ever will be. But that whole sizzle is the only way you can put, not even, not butts in seats, but the expensive butts in seats. I can see what you're disagreeing, and you want to say that winning will bring people. Winning will and bring winning people. winning will bring people, no, but, but it takes a long time, and that they don't 
They've never shown it's the short. I'm, I'm well, playing no, the no, short but, game, but, the but, very short. But game. they it's play the short game every game. single year, and that's the problem. We've never played the long year. I will watch eleven nobodies. Oh no, so they, but they're not worried about you. So, no, yeah, I know not, they're not, not worried that about you, and I and I get that. But what they don't understand, we were going to buy season tickets whether it was a big bloody deal or not. I, of course we were. Um, but what they don't understand, and what they should understand, and and they never will understand. And again, that's the problem with the company that owns this team, and always will be. Um, and, and again, we have to suffer this until the end of time, unless it somehow changes hands and someone takes TFC off of MLSC's hands, is that they will never play the long game. They will never see that um, putting a constant, a consistent product on the pitch is what's going to bring people in, is going to keep us in the stands. But it, but it won't bring them in preseason. There won't be preseason sales. And this, you look at this club, they are about to embark on building party suites, the tunnel club. New executive clubs. And of course, and that's, and that's yeah. short-sighted. Again, yeah. that's them grabbing for dollar signs. But they want I'm... to be world-class and stuff. And sure, they've got to pay for it, so they need to have some sort of name to hang that so on. So that's what I, I mean. We, we can probably expect to see that philosophy I'm, continue. It's, I know that, but it doesn't make it right. No, it's, it's terribly been, wrong. And, and, and that's going to be the problem over and over again. And we will never see this team win anything or do anything if this is always the focus. If this is always what happens every single year. And it is the most frustrating thing because we will never have... Have a solid team with a core, with a good bench, with a group of guys who play together for longer than two years. Not unless it gets broken completely. But that will never happen either. I, as much of a sports nerd as I am, I'm not aware of a single company or entity that has profited so much off of mediocrity. Because MLSE does off of all their sports franchises? Absolutely. But, the, but that's just it. Like, the Raptors, who have been the laughing stock for a very, very long time, probably has not lost a dime since, I don't know, since Tracy McGrady. Or, uh, or um, is that... Did he play that? T-Mac to the yeah. Rock. Yeah, T-Mac. since... Sorry. Really? Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> My knowledge of Raptors basketball... Thanks, Chuck. in this... I could talk more about that. 1987 Utah Jazz that I can talk about. Jean's any... back to the rack. <laughs> anyway, but yeah, like they 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 make money. The Leafs, in all of their failures, make money. I don't know if there's another city that would stand for that kind of crap. Like where they just say, you know what, screw this. You're not trying to win, so why should I try to pay? But in Toronto, that's a thing. Somehow. It's all it's all about being seen in the right place, and that's great. That's for a business standpoint, that's brilliant, and they are the envy of the world. But as somebody who wants to see a winning team at some point in time, one that he pays for, it's excruciatingly frustrating. But that's the way the model is going to be until somebody shows them completely otherwise. See, I I fully agree with you. The one question that's always lingered in the back of my head about this. Sure, they are making profits off of the professional sports in this town, mm-hmm. but they are in no way maximizing their profits. Oh, absolutely not. The amount yeah. of money that has been left on the table by the Leafs not making the playoffs, by TFC not making the playoffs, how a business... Let's, let's leave aside the whole sporting thing we want to win because that's what sports is about. From a purely financial overview, how heads have not rolled at the sheer number of millions that they have left on the table Absolutely. by not producing oh, winners. Horrible business model. Maybe maybe it's because everyone at the top isn't a sports head, they are a money head. And as long as the money that I put in produces a dividend that meets my expectations, it met my 10% return or whatever 
whatever magical number formula they have, stay the course. Let's not let's stay the course. Everything's great, which is terrible. Don't get me wrong. It is. It's terrible. It's embarrassing. It's embarrassing. Embarrassing as a fan, as a customer, and as somebody who likes sport in general. It's humiliating. However, yeah. Until 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 the four of us here can come up with, I don't know, say six billion dollars. <laughs> We can either stay with the team or start our own or my FC Dallas, ever since that whole Kansas City comparison came up, my FC Dallas, open arms, they made the playoffs, I am totally running with this joke, fuck you Duncan. FC Dallas, plenty of bandwagon space, Frisco's got plenty so of So what you're saying is we should form a team called FCT that plays out of Hamilton. No, if you're going to call a team called FCT, the T should be an H. <laughs> because Hamilton will support a team called Ham- called Toronto. There's no it way. It works in New York. <laughs> Monster Energy Toronto. It's not Hamilton. <laughs> but James makes a good point, but a lot of it uh, comes down to the very unorthodox uh, corporate structure that MLSE has always held. Right now, it's got the two-headed beast of telecommunications companies. Before that was the union, the teachers' union, yeah. and you know minority shareholders. Yeah. Before that, going back to Steve Stavro, you've never had a corporation run with an owner, a CEO, a you know a yeah. figurehead who's looking down on everything and saying, "Why the hell is this. are you losing Why, me money?" Just Ballard, Ballard, Ballard yeah. didn't yeah. care. He just yeah. he ran the thing and everything was great. Yeah. Unless you knew him. So, to encapsulate, we're up Shit's Creek without a paddle. It, unfortunately, it feels like that. But the, the nice part about MLS is that, and maybe, and I realize I'm generalizing by saying it, it shouldn't be that difficult to turn it around. And it may, it may not even take a season to turn it around. Because everything is, is insulated and, you know, you have to drop from American players and, you know, quality... Quality major league soccer players are let go from teams all the time because somebody younger slash cheaper comes in because you have such a rigid cap. It shouldn't be super difficult to rebuild a team. Not to say that Toronto needs to rebuild. But with two new teams coming into the league, them fielding competitive teams with a core of MLS veterans, or is it one? I can't remember. It's two. It's two this year. Is it, yeah. Okay, so when, when New York and Orlando get in, they shouldn't be... They're not going to be bottom-of-the-table teams. One of those teams is probably going to sniff playoffs, and the other one is probably not going to be worse than Montreal. My point is is that it's possible. It's extremely possible. Will Toronto higher-ups and suits allow it is a completely other problem. Now, you just have to look at, uh, in, in our time of existence, in the eight years it's taken us to build to whatever we are now, just look how many times D.C. has gone up and down and up again. And Portland... Yeah. And, and Seattle and any other expansion team that's come along since then have all done better. Yeah, they've all and not so much. Wait, wait, wait. Better, Vancouver's been around since 1974. That's right. They're <laughs> yeah. they're North American legends. Let's, let's get that in. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, sorry. On the record, on their for goodness. I'm, I'm surprised sorry. they don't have stars from all those CSL badge championships <laughs> that they won. <laughs> for goodness. Q86ers. All right. Okay. Hamilton. All right. Let's move away from this Steelers. Do a cheerier topic. Yeah, the Montreal game. We haven't, <laughs> we haven't talked about that yet. Hooray! <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> so we're gonna wrap up this podcast uh, with a little look at the Montreal game. Um, really, we're only gonna cu- touch on a couple things. So I have a couple questions for the gentleman here. Um, 
Is anybody expecting anything other than a horrific outing? Um, actually, you know what? When I was uh, putting all this together, I was thinking this is just going to suck. They're just going to get blown out of the water. Missing Bradley. No Nick Hagland. At least Daniil gets to play. Maybe. Hey. Um, maybe. They, they Probably let him not. Bradley Orr. Bradley Orr, exactly. <laughs> next to Caldwell. Oh, God. The shiver that just went down my spine. Um, do they let the kids play and just say, F it? But no. They're going to put out whatever they figure is the strongest starting 11 they have left. And... Because they're still mathematically in it and run for the playoffs. Agreed? Everyone agree with that? Yeah, I see. Yeah. I see Daniel Henry and Colin Warner replacing <laughs> those two. And really, that's what in I the, see. Yeah. Colin Warner taking Bradley's position, dropping to a defensive role, defensive midfield role, and Daniel Henry slipping into. Who gets the armband? I mean, Caldwell. Caldwell. Yeah, I guess Warner. Caldwell. Caldwell. He always is. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Until next year when it's Michael Bradley. It's on his flapping arm. <laughs> Don't you see it? Every week. Yeah, well, he you gets should see how his arm flaps without the arm. Oh, oh my god, like right. a double time. It's, it's not for his leadership, it's for gravity. <laughs> Alright, but I have, uh, you know, there's I had what, how Battle of Montreal beat TFC, but I've, I've changed that because clearly TFC is going to win so that there's this tiny little bit of hope to Absolutely. hang on to for the next weekend when uh, Columbus wins their game in the 93rd minute, thereby dashing all hope, finally. Um, but given last weekend's sponsored march to the match, which was ridiculous and a far too late attempt by our owners to have some sort of fan engagement. And can I just say that the heavy sponsor focus this year, which has been so far over the top, has failed to engage, I think, any, any real fans, uh, occasional tourists who are like, Woo, but girls, cheap beer, crappy beer. And that's about it. Um, that's a pretty good impression. Mm-hmm. Sure. That's oh, exactly I know. Okay. What they sound like. yeah. That's because they stand next to us sometimes, remember? So. I, I was buying into it. <laughs> I was going to go check out um, the but what, but, my personal injury needs. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But what little, what, what terrible bit of pandering do you think they're going to bring out for this, our last home match against, you know, Montreal, our hated rivals? Well, seeing as it's BMO's final <gasps> match as sponsor... Good. They're going to give us money? I'm assuming that the first <laughs> thousand fans will get free toques. Blue and white colored, of course. Of course. Of course. Yeah. That would be hilarious. <laughs> I hope you're right. Um, I've got uh, guaranteed indigestion night. Free poutine to the first 5,000 fans just to cement the guarantee. <laughs> <laughs> the Ministry of Transportation presents the 401 Derby. <laughs> Yeah, I, I just had some sort of bizarre bilingual flag being handed out, you know, a little bit of unity. The, the clash of the Canadian lack of titans, you know. I guess. Mm, a coupon for some saputo cheese. Well, um, that, oh, just, that would be the, doesn't that just go without saying? No, that's, that they're actually the handing out saputo cheese after the game. A laughing cow is going to pick your section, and that road gets <laughs> free soft cheese. I want to get hucked in the head with a baby bell. <laughs> Acme Fire Extinguishers presents putting out the fires in where the Montreal fans are sitting. Hey, the wax thing for the baby bells are great. You can like mold things. Oh yeah, it's oh, true. We used to do that on road trips. We'd have like them on the dashboard mm-hmm. and then watch them melt. Nice. It's a good time. They won't give us anything we can throw. I, Back uh, in the days before true. electronics could travel. <laughs> <laughs> Let's watch cheese melt. <laughs> Best trip ever, Dad. Thanks. Almost as exciting as a TFC game. That's from Chip Everdad. AM radio and cheese. Coming um, to you, Chatham. 
<laughs> the other part of this game is that this is the big sort of return favor selling of seats for traveling fans that something that actually is often lacking at BMO in that we don't allow uh, enough away support to come to games at TFC like they they was like 50 tickets 100 tickets that's allotted for away supporters I thought it was 200 is it that yeah, high? I didn't think it was. I think with, isn't it like eight rows of the top of, was it 103, I think, 104? I thought it was in the 200 range. Anyway, it's, it's not a they're lot compared filled, yeah. to... Well, they're never filled. Well, there's been, there's been a couple times. Who but, wants to come to Toronto? Well, Can you hear Houston sing? <laughs> I can never hear Chivas sing. You no, know, I can never hear them either. Yeah. But, um, given the opportunity, and I, I do think it's a missed opportunity to encourage a greater... Uh, amount of traveling support because it does add to atmosphere uh, is that as TFC had the huge mob of people go down last year 3,000 plus it was I think uh, they've relocated some of uh, some of the fans in the West Stands to uh, allow for a greater presence of impact fans so that'll be very interesting to have them a, in a different part of the stadium uh, right above the uh, Kings of the North guys which should be interesting and potentially enjoyable or fractious what uh, I really just want to know what the impact fans are going to do to the West Hands other than set it on fire <laughs> oh um, I, I can say that they are going to genuinely fill out a section with 100% attendance for the first time this season so I think that's unique I think that is unique and you're right we should just stop with that but we're not going to you had nothing that's not flares. That's extreme fondue. <laughs> yeah, I, I hear you liked uh, certain brands of uh, provolone. Mm -hmm. It gives off the blue smoke. You'll it can never be used as a fuel. Oh, really? Plus, they will, of course, hit us with their rendition of "You'll Never Provolone." Ah, uh, when you walk through the store, hold, hold your, your hands. Get, oh. Oh, that's a better line. <laughs> we had hold your basket high. Don't be afraid of the rind. That's very good. That's very good. No, I just had that they would, uh, you know, in order to make it a more fuller section, is they would remove three rows of seats instead of just like two seats, like they did the last time. Mm. Pitch them right over. That'd be hilarious. That's just math. Actually, you know what it is. You know what you're gonna find out is that oh, they're gonna. Media release. Oh, they destroyed the stands. Little did we know they were going to start replacing those seats exactly. anyway. Exactly. Yeah. And the they're just helping group. part of the demolition. They I guess saved. We'll, I guess we'll put blue ones in. <laughs> <laughs> we got these. They brought their own. They brought some from Saputo. Oh, right. <laughs> oh yeah, no, just uh, nothing to see blue. here. It's fine. No, it's you know what? It's probably they're probably going to win. Montreal's not a very good team, and. Just to further... Sure, they'll win, yeah. Further just, the narrative. Just to twist the knife for seven Absolutely. days longer. Exactly. And just to, yeah. It's just going to be a week of, we can do it, guys. Yeah. And unhappiness, as far as I'm concerned. But we'll all be there anyway. <laughs> Expect your season ticket renewal package to if, come out. To land right after that, yeah. If there's something on my seat along those lines, just grab them for me. <laughs> oh, all right. Um, but that is really it, guys. There's not... We could just go on and on. There's um, not really much to talk about other than, no, that, other than, than that two other hours. Other than all of that. So thanks for listening. <laughs> um, tune in next week when we recap the glorious victory of the Montreal game and look ahead to... Uh, cling on to those cling feet, on to those feet playoffs. 
tiny little faint wispy hopes. Um, but until then, you can find us all on the interwebs uh, at the Yorkies 1812, Mr. Tony Walsh. Gobble gobble. <laughs> at Ignor Talk, I G N A R T O Q, Mr. Mark Hinckley. Cranberry sauce. <laughs> <laughs> Crossy, A G R A W S E E, Kaka, son of a bitch, <laughs> Mr. James Crossy, and myself, uh, Kristen Knowles at Casey Knowles on the Twitters. Uh, have a happy Thanksgiving if you did. Hopefully, you got to eat a lot of food and have a good nap. Otherwise, until next week, Toronto, get used to it. Round to the VMP Thanksgiving. <laughs> Try our meerkat pretzel. Who's gonna say Grace? Grace! Cut, bitch. Who's Grace? <laughs> Why you just call me a bitch? Did you Grace? Did anyone make note of Vanny's comment about the pessimistic defending? I was like, really? Pessimistic defending? <laughs> yes! Oh, I don't think we're gonna get to that ball, guys. <laughs> no, seriously. <laughs> oh. It is. And it's very sad. I'm pretty sure we're gonna let one in tonight. Yeah. Inter interview video, yeah. Oh, we'll that just, cross is really. No, we good. get to this point, then we get we become pessimistic. I was like, Harden, what? Who are you? Why didn't you just change? Why are you coach? It's the pessimistic defense to the apathetic midfield. <laughs> yeah. To the disinterested. <laughs> to the disinterested. <laughs> if you go down this pathway, you could just substitute like emotions with disease, mm. like <laughs> with like, disease. Yeah, or just like any <laughs> other. <laughs> Any condition, like that oh, was some evolic. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Too soon. No, no, no. The midfield's gluten free. It's... Can you hook me up with one of those iron brew kits? I really. Want. <laughs> I can get you an iron brew. Well, that's <laughs>